to you by the Screen Actors Guild and Writers Guilds of America, unless someone real decides to sponsor us, and after that, I don't know why they would. This is Boy Meets World Fever, and I'm one of your hosts, Cameron. And I'm your other host, Chance. <laughs> I don't we know what's happened anymore than just at home, folks. need to uh, pay a little tribute to this great country we live in. The proud, a proud rendition of the Star Spangled Banner on Trombone Champ. Oh, that was that was your musical stylings. Uh huh. Oh, one hundred percent. These digis. Okay. Um, Never had one less. Trombone Champ was out. What? I'll Trombone Champ was out. Yes, maybe I can play a different song at the end. Sure. So we just did it. We're in the episode now. That was the whole cold open. We're in the episode. That was it. Okay. Wow. So the other day I downloaded Trombone Champ and I played that song and it was so bad. And I was like, I must do this. Yeah. We're just we're just in our unhinged era, I think. We're crazy. <laughs> That's us. Um, but Trombone Champ is very fun and very funny. I believe it. Just to to play. And I'm not but, very good at it. Is this like what you're bringing? No. Oh, okay. How much is the cold open? I love it. I, love it. I thought you were going to be like, and now I'm going to tell you all about why you should play trombone champ. <laughs> no, no. I just wanted to, you know, I don't know what else there is to say. Honestly, as that was going, you couldn't see it. But on the screen, there were flags flying and fireworks shooting off. And at the end, there's a cheeseburger and fries on a plate. Because what's more American, you know? Mm-hmm. Trombone is one of the coolest instruments. Mm-hmm. Like easily. Easily. I don't know about trombone champ trombone. No, but that's the fun. I did like, I watched a video of, um, I guess someone modded it in because it's not on the Switch version. Um, uh, Through the Fire and the Flames by Dragon Force, which was that big Guitar Hero 2 like Mm -hmm. final song. Um, But it was that in trombone champ. (laughs) Did you you do it? Uh, No, because it's not on the Switch version. I mean, you could still try. Is there not a free play mode on? There is, but I have no idea how to even begin. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Just pull up their video and go to town. Just just play along. I was I playing don't... on the more difficult control scheme, which is with just the joystick to move it, the notes up and down. There's also like a where you can with the gyroscope like tilt it which is supposed to be a little easier, but on the split pad, it doesn't have that feature. Wait, why wouldn't they just have a thing like as far away you are from one Joy-Con as another? Well, they do have um, another control because, you know, on the bottom of one of the Joy-Cons, there's that little sensor mm-hmm. where you can play with your hand. Okay, yeah, that's the, the sensor. That's the uh-huh. best way. So that's probably the most fun and accurate way. Yeah. But I didn't do that. I wasn't practiced enough. Oh, man. That's the only way I play trombone champ. You know it was a really good performance when my five-year-old was standing at his bedroom door like, what is that? 
Like I thought he was asleep. <laughs> like, what is that noise? This is what Father does in his alone time. <laughs> this is not for your eyes. Sometimes when you're a grown man, you toot your trombone just for fun. Away with you. Away. To bed. What one man does in the privacy of the dark is his business. In the privacy of his podcast. Um, yeah. So how, how are you, Chansey? Um, I'm okay. We're doing this on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, a real Monday of a Monday. Me too, kind of. Um, so I co-teach every hour that I'm with students. Um, but today, both my last two hour teachers were gone. And so I was just like running the show. And every kid just felt like they needed to act up, even though I'm with them every day. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, why? Why are you like this? <laughs> What's wrong with every last one of you? Did you start calling the boys girls' names and going on long rants? I imagine you're much of a doctor cop. Mm-hmm. No, but what one funny thing that did happen is like there's a student who he's not the favorite student, we'll just say. Typically causes, typically causes a lot of problems. But last week I made it my goal to like just be his friend and just like see how if that helped. And I feel like it really did. Like I just like stood by him, made sure he was doing his stuff, kind of chatted with him, and he like did his work and he did a pretty good job. And like I even told him I was like, Good job. And he's like, Did you hear that, everybody? He told me good job. Like, remember that. Um, but then today he was acting a fool. And so I like kind of took him aside and I was like, remember, like last week, you had a really good week. Like you did great. Like I was just like really happy. I know you can have a good week again. And he's like, you're right. Yes, ma'am. And he's like, uh, I mean, sir. <laughs> and I was like, it's all, it's all right. I'm not offended. I, many of my favorite people are ma'ams. And he's like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> and I was like, I mean... Like, I like women, and I wouldn't be offended to be called one. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, I like women, too. I was like, okay. Many of my favorite people are ma'ams. Many of my favorite people are ma'ams. Many. Many. <sighs> Not all. I would have just gotten up at the front of the classroom, played the song Akafu, mm-hmm. and... Uh, what what what's that stomp dancing called? Crumping. Uh huh. I would have just crumped until they all died of cringe. Mm-hmm. That's one way to do it. The kids say, and then I would be like, "If you guys stop, I'll stop." <laughs> one of us will stop, and I have boundless energy. I was there when cr- you thought you invented the dance. I was there when crumping began. <laughs> you merely adopted the cringe. I was born into it, molded by it. I didn't know Riz until I was already a man. And I found it blinding. I still don't have any Riz, so it's fine. It's fine. You remember that somebody adopted the Riz. I was there when it was charisma. (laughs) Yes. So Monday. Mondays, am I right? Monday. Garfield was on to something. He was. Um... But yeah, we'll just, next time, you just got a crump. Mm-hmm. I'll just remember that. I'll write it down. All right. Um, I don't really have any strike updates. I'm trying to think if I've heard of anything. There's a little bit where some of the talk shows, like Drew Barrymore, yeah, Bill Mayer and stuff, started were coming back. Um, they're, we're going to come back without writers, whatever that means. Um, and even Bill Mayer wrote a big long thing of like, I respect writers and stuff. We're going to come back without all this stuff and it's going to be terrible, but I have to. And, but both Drew Barrymore and Bill Mayer have since said they're not going to. Yeah. The, the, the Drew Barrymore thing was really embarrassing for her. Um, Cause she doubled down on it like three or four times thinking like people would have sympathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sympathy just never came from anyone. And finally she just had to like, like bow out in the, best way she could mm-hmm. i didn't know about bill mayer i don't know if he'd actually started but last week he made, wrote a message about how he was going to be coming back but then today said he wasn't mm-hmm. but he's pretty terrible in general so yeah yeah that doesn't i don't think that would surprise anybody um but yeah the drew barrymore thing was was real embarrassing and dropped her status a lot 
Mm -hmm. if she still has a talk show after this, honestly. Yeah. Um, like, it's uh, it's got to be just because of a contract. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll give us a talk show. They should give us a talk show, but only, like, once the writers are back in. I can be more sincere than Jimmy Fallon. It's true. Something happened with Fallon this week. I haven't caught up on what it oh, is. Oh, there was an article in Rolling Stone with a whole bunch of his staffers from the last long time just basically saying how he's kind of unhinged. But in, like, a, like he'll just fly off the handle and go off at people and, you know, generally be a not nice person. Yeah, but didn't we already know that? I have no idea. Maybe. I, I, I feel like if we didn't already know that, we kind of already knew. You can kind of assume. Like, I don't go around thinking, like, Stephen Colbert is a cool person. You know? Yeah. I'm not like, I'm not like you know, that James Corden seems like he'd be a real level fellow. No, I don't think anybody thinks anything positive about James Corden. Um, I don't find him. I don't get the hate. I don't. I don't find him any more or less objectionable. The the one late night host that if man he was a bad dude, it would it would kind of sting is John Oliver. Mm -hmm. He seems like a good good guy. Yeah, he's currently doing stand up to pay um, strike striking workers from his shows. Yeah, in order to raise money. And he did a podcast, right? Where all the revenue's going? I'm not sure. Something like that. But yeah, if he if he ended up being kind of a creep, that would be much. But like, you know, what's his name? Seth Seth Myers. Uh huh. Like, I don't think any of those guys are like, oh yeah, that's an upstart dude right there. Mm -hmm. They're upstanding fella. Um, I mean, the one that people seem to be like all on board with, Jimmy Kimmel. Mm hmm. I. I would watch the man show all the time when I was yet a preteen. Yeah. I'm just like, how is this the we, guy? How do we just give him a pass? How, like the things I have heard that man say about women. Yes. The, uh, red pilling of his time. Um, but somehow I, I, and I'm, I am certain he is not a good person. No, certainly not. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, that uh, I think if the strike goes two more weeks, uh -huh. I think someone said October 8th, actually. If we get a free like, sandwich? <laughs> that would be great. Um, this was this is the bit of update I was going to share. Um, if it goes until I think up to October 8th, I'll re-look that up. Um, it will be the longest strike in Hollywood history. Wow. So, um, yeah. You know, all the corporations and big money guys that listen to us, because we know you're there. Mm -hmm. We know you're listening, you closet um, fans. Yeah. Screw you. Give the give the writers and actors better yeah. pay. And listen to this and then never listen to us again. Yeah. Like, get stop being stop being literal supervillains. Bob Iger, we know you're listening right now. Mm -hmm. Quit it or three ghosts will visit you this very night. We, we talked about the Australian asshole last week, right? Uh, no, we just talked about it, you and I. Oh. Yeah. Stop being literal supervillain. Like, be a human being. Yeah. Like a person. Um, like, if you don't know about person. the Australian supervillain asshole, I don't know, look it up. <laughs> just type that in. Google it. <laughs> I'm going to Google it right now. I bet you okay. get it. I bet you money. This uh, I got to see. Oh, darn it. He doesn't come up. I feel like he should. That's a real shame. I forget his name, and I don't really want to look it up. No, I don't. He doesn't deserve us knowing his name. History will not remember you. I mean, it won't remember us either, but I'm okay with that. I'm, it might. I think it has a better chance of remembering us. Well, that's very kind of you to say. Um, But we're not here to talk about rich, terrible people that much. Um, certainly, uh, I, I mean, we're Harper, of course. So entirely because of... Rich. Oh, that is true. That this, the past eight episodes have been exclusively because of that. <laughs> um, so we are kind of here to do that in a way. Um, but we're here to not bemoan and groan, but to celebrate. That's to true. Lift up things that are that are worthy and worth our admiration mm -hmm. that don't happen to be um, struck, stricken, mm -hmm. striked. Strooken. Smote. Smote. Smited. Can it be smited media? That would be so much better. I think it would be. 
We'll call this a writer's smite. The the writers are smiting. <laughs> I love it. I'll I'll have my people call those people. Yeah, call the WGA. We've hey. got we've got some writing for them. Hey, hey Siri, send the message to Chance to tell him to tell the writers <laughs> to uh, change it to smite instead of strike. You're my people, so it's true. the The writers smite. Um, but yes, we are we are um, finding some unsmote media. Unsmote. That's very um, true. Who's first this week? I don't even know. Uh, it's you, but do we want to? I did listen to um, an evening oh, yeah. with Silk Sonic. Yeah, it was so good. It's so good, right? It was. It was really good. I just greatly, greatly appreciated it. That um, yeah, that's all. I, basically, for the past several days, I've been singing a mishmash of "Leave the Door Open," "Versace on the Floor," and that's what I like. Just like all three songs are just together in my head. Okay. Um, Those are three different albums. I know. But it's just like, they're all just, I'll just be like, what you doing? Where you at? <laughs> you got plans? Well, don't say that. And then sex by the fire at night. And I'll just cut right to that. And then just be like, Versace on the floor. I love it, actually. That's pretty great. Um, yeah. Did you get kind of what I was saying about like, it's almost a tour through like soul music? Mm-hmm. It definitely is. Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, yeah, I didn't know much about Silk Sonic, but if they have the ability, if they have like the ability to like vibe those, those, I mean, just looking at it, I think Silk Sonic is just Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. Is it? They're just Silk Sonic. I thought the, I thought the band was Silk Sonic. I don't know. I'm just looking it up to make sure. Yeah. Cause I thought that the backup band was Silk Sonic. I thought they had done some stuff before. It just says it's an American musical super duo composed of musicians Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. Oh, wow. Okay. Like I said, thought it was the band, but that's fine. Well, I guess it's Pack's producing then who can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. Didn't know. Yeah. It was, it was really wonderful. But, yeah. I think, I, I, I think their ability to capture those eras. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of incredible. Yeah, which I feel like I, you probably said this last week. I've slept a lot since then. Um, that's just sort of like I feel like Bruno Mars' whole thing. Mm-hmm. He can just really take an era and just condense, like crystallize it almost. Mm-hmm. And like this is the essence of what it is. And then yeah. just really expand on that and play with it. I, I, I felt like in the past, and I, I, I won't belabor this point too much. That he was really good at doing that with like songs or bands, like mm-hmm. taking like a band's like vibe and really embodying them. But I really think Evening with Silk Sonic does it really well with like genres, mm-hmm. um, which I, I just thought it was really incredible. Um, I did not listen to all of Electric Lady. I listened to um, a little bit, but my wife asked me what I was listening to, um, and then we went on a wikipedia janelle monet mm-hmm. um rabbit hole yeah it's quite the rabbit hole to go down yeah i just didn't know that i recognized her from so many things i, I guess i just never put it together um and then that led us to america ferrera and gotta kick it up at some point not sure how that happened. i mean as all things should uh do you remember i gotta kick it up that's the cheerleader movie right well, See were- yes yeah, i can yeah, yeah. But they were dancers. Oh, maybe. Like, like a dance team. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like a Bring It On. Was it a Disney Channel movie? Yeah, it was Disney Channel original. Yes, I remember that. And then America Ferreira in her turn as uh, Ugly Betty. Yes. I think something about Janelle Monet led us to Ugly Betty, which my wife has been watching lately. Mm hmm. Um, and then that led us to Gotta Kick It Out. I was weirdly really into that show in high school, which was like when it was coming out. But I just like don't know why. Um, did I did I talk on here about the documentary that I watched about what? Uh, well, let's just jump into this because I'll just bring this as my thing because it was one of the things I was going to bring. I think you talked to with me about a documentary, the Disney Channel one. Uh huh. Uh huh. You did tell me about that, and I was like. <clears throat> So I've been watching um, 
I've been watching. I'll, I'll just go. I'm going. Go. Um, a lot of videos from a YouTuber who, you know what? Even if the world won't call him it, I will. A documentarian. I'll call him that. Whoever um, he is. And he does um, documentaries on YouTube called Defunct Land. Mm-hmm. Oh, like the about like amusement parks and Disneyland mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, he he makes like documentaries about like the forgotten bits of um, of Disney parks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting because I just started listening to him like three or four weeks ago. Um, I listened to an episode on toy, the history of Toys R Us. Um, Fascinating. Tell me with, more. It was really good. Um, And then that led me to like, he did one, one of his longer documentaries, honestly, on, I'm trying to find it, um, the Fast Pass, the Disney Fast Pass. Mm, Changed everything. It did. Well, man, it's such an interesting documentary. It's all about like the history of line maintenance. Mm -hmm. Because Disney does it like nobody else. they, They do... But, like, he goes into a lot of, like, just the history of, like, people coming to theme parks and, like, almost the sinisterness of, like, line maintenance and getting you kind of invested in the ecosystem of the park you're in. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but it, Disney was constantly changing the game. Um, but by far my favorite documentary he did, um, which is his second most recent is called the Disney Channel theme, a uh, history, a history mystery, um, and it's so good. It's an hour and a half long, about four notes. Is that the you four know? notes of the bam 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 bam? Yeah, uh, like okay. when they would do the, um, and they make the Mickey Mouse ears with the, the Mickey Mouse ears. Yeah, the the wand transitions they call them. Um, it's so good. It's all about like the history of bumpers. Like, why those things, like, before and after shows in between commercials exist. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> apparently, NBC was the first to have, like, a theme bumper. And they still have it to this day. Do, do, do. Yeah. Yep. And they did that um, basically because they needed the, the board switchers to know that this is the time to switch to a commercial. Mm-hmm. When all of that before all of that was like automated, yeah. Um, and he just he goes into the history of like, um, like I said, like line, line or not line. He goes into the history of like bumpers, like the after these messages, after these messages, we'll be right back on mm-hmm. ABC. Um, and then that leads him to just the wildest, wildest, um, history of the Disney Channel. Like, things that I didn't even remember remembering. Because um, I, I got to the Disney Channel, like, right in 99. It had only uh-huh. been out for a year, I guess, which I didn't know. Before that, it had been, like, a premium, like, HBO-esque um, oh, interesting. channel that, like, showed, like, Disney movies. It was, like, a Disney HBO. Uh-huh. Um, but they had some original programming um, that was, like... 47 minute programming and it did pretty well. Um, and then they transitioned it to, um, they transitioned it to the Disney channel that we know with three blocks, the Disney vault, which showed like old stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Disney. Oh, what was the kids called? Playhouse Disney. Uh huh. Disney that would play during the day. And then I didn't remember this at all. Um, and I, I need to look up the how to say it. I I remember all the commercials. I'm actually going to show you one. Um, I think I remember Disney Channel was where I got first got introduced to Growing Pains. Yes, but they only ever licensed the seventh season because Leonardo DiCaprio was so big. So how did I watch all the rest? Uh, ABC Family. I that think. must be it. I don't know. It's just weird. Maybe that's why I thought he was such a bigger part of it than he actually was. Yeah, because he was only in seventh season. Um, hold on. I, I, I just don't remember what this what their teen block that would honestly take over everything was called. Um, but w- when he said it, I was like, man, I don't remember that at all. But then he showed the commercial 
mm-hmm. and it unlocked something in me. So give me one second to look this up. We'll make this go away with editing magic. Oh, that yes, that's what it was called. Okay. So this was their teen block that would end up taking over the entire channel, Zoog Disney. That doesn't ring a bell. It didn't to me either, like I said. But check. I remember these transitions. I think maybe. almost feel unwell (laughs) just of like the way that that tickles the back of my brain why i don't know it's just like this was this was a thing and i just just like very faintly remember it and i don't know it's just deeply unsettling in a way that i wasn't expecting well yeah and it's it's real weird because like it reminded me because I guess when you're a kid, or a teen, I guess, it all kind of, like, blends in your mind. Because this was the time when, like, this was the time when, like, um, all of the transitions, instead mm-hmm. of being, like, hyper-stylized, were just, like, a Disney character in Mickey Mouse ears, like, dancing or something. Mm-hmm. And um, all of the little segments were, like, movie surfers. I do and, remember that. Um, one one was called um, Imagineer That. Uh-huh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, this, this was that. Like, the, the, the branding wasn't super cohesive yet. And most of the shows were, um, were serial. Like, this was when uh, Boy Meets World was on it. This was when Growing Pains was on it. Mm, is, this, are we, is this during the time or leading up to the time of, like, Famous Jet Jackson and So Weird and the Jersey. So uh, Famous Jet Jackson and So Weird would be firmly only Zoog Disney. Those are Zoog Disney shows. Uh Uh, The Jersey would be in kind of both eras a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even Stevens would be kind of one of the last Zoog Disney shows. And like right around the exact same time that Zoog Disney ends is where you get Lizzie McGuire for the first time. Uh-huh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that kind of feel like a different era. And then I feel like there was an, just in the feeling of Disney, it's like you had your Lizzie McGuire and such. But then I feel like it makes a shift, starting with like That's So Raven, mm-hmm. where it becomes like more cartoonish, more laugh tracks, more of that multi-cam sitcom yeah, feel. There's definitely a lot of angst. Weirdly... I was watching this because Disney Channel is a huge part of my childhood. Um, I guess we're just kind of talking about the Disney Channel now, which is not what this is about. But we're talking about old Disney Channel that you should go to YouTube to watch all of the weird transitions and stuff. Um, But I was looking at this the other day and like you get the Proud Family, which is the first Disney Channel original like animation in 2001. So that's mm-hmm. firmly in the Zoog Disney era. And Kim Possible doesn't come out until 2002 when you're more in Disney Channel just... Because Zoog Disney went away when they dropped the Disney Vault. Mm-hmm. And they they just combined, like, there was Playhouse Disney and then there was the rest of the Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you have the famous Jed Jackson ending in 2001. Weirdly, you have Jersey going until 2004, which seems way too long for that to have gone. How many sports people can there be? Well, I loved the Jersey, even though I didn't care about sports. But in my mind, it was the Jersey and the famous Jed Jackson and even Steven. Uh huh. Like, those were the shows. And they all kind of ended around the same time. But they did they did not. The Jersey outlived even Stevens a year on both sides. That's so strange. 
I yeah, I didn't remember it. And then you have right at the beginning of 2001, you get Lizzie McGuire kicking off, and that's kind of the era, the even Stevens Lizzie McGuire era until that So Raven in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always thought that I was more of a Disney kid, but then we start getting shows that I've just never seen before almost immediately. 2004, you get Phil of the Future. Mm-hmm. I kind of remember the theme song, but I got nothing. He's a 22nd century man. Um, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Hannah Montana's next. Um, and by this point, I've just not seen anything. I did watch the premiere of Hannah Montana. Mm-hmm. I'm not too proud to say I didn't watch most of these shows. Well, I yeah. did watch most of them. You, like, you had a sister. Mm-hmm. Younger sister. And I just like wasn't really into the things of my peers. Yes, I was. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't care if you're watching like the real world or Laguna Beach or whatever. I'm just going to watch these because it's like fun. Well, and I we've never really talked about it, but I very much moved on to WB shows at this mm-hmm. point. Like I was yes, very I know we talked about that. I was very much into like um Smallville, Smallville, 7th Heaven, Gilmore Girls. Um those were like the shows of my late teens. I watched um oh, what's it even called? They just did a reboot. The it was a one a three D cartoon animation. Was it reboot? No. Well, I did watch that, but that was way before. Um, it was um, oh gosh, Code Lyoko. No, <laughs> he was a secret agent, but he was also a teenager, um, and he like had the ability to like enhance all of his physical stuff for like thirty seconds. That doesn't ring a bell. I think this oh. is made up. What is it? Max Steel. Oh. I watched Turbo Team. I watched uh, Max Steel in the in the mornings. And then when I got home, I was like, oh yeah, give me that seventh heaven. <laughs> well, my morning routine is I would wake up and take a shower and watch the Today Show. Oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was a middle-aged woman. <laughs> you, I was a 14-year-old boy. You, you kind of were, man. But yeah, the minute the minute I saw Phil of the Future, I'm like, I thought I watched this so much longer, but I guess not. I didn't. I I spent a weekend with my parents. Um, must have been Christmas of freshman year, mm-hmm. um, and I watched an all day marathon of Sweet Life of Zach and Cody and Sweet Life on Deck. It was like they were just like playing random episodes. Um, so that one day is my entire exposure to their existence. <laughs> That's funny. Um, because my parents were depressed in Bismarck, North Dakota. So what else was I going to do? I mean, I get it. But yeah, I've never seen, I've seen like three episodes of Hannah Montana. I've, I don't think I've ever seen an episode of Wizards of Waverly Place. I've seen lots of clips of Selena mm-hmm. Gomez acting sassy in it. Mm-hmm. She apparently that was her did. thing. Um, yeah, so 2004, I'm out. But, anyway. but this documentary is also about the four notes. So yeah, yeah, it's about like the history of kind of like not necessarily the Disney Channel, but more of its branding. Mm. Um, apparently, it's like the the history of Disney Channel from like fans of it who like are way too into it, which I don't blame you. Be way too into stuff; it's great. But there are people who have categorized the eras. Uh-huh. And it's the Zoog era, the Wand era, and then uh, the Wands kept going, but the next, like, because it, it's all based on the branding, not the shows, mm-hmm. but the branding. So it was the Zoog era, the Wand era, and then the Ribbon era, which was when I stopped watching. But, like, all of the branding was, like, a ribbon, like, going throughout the screen and, like, mm-hmm. making shapes and stuff. Okay, yeah, I remember that. What era was it when they would do all the interviews with the different actors? Like, I remember when they did one about 9-11. Oh, okay, Cameron, you got to watch this documentary. Because he, he goes on and on about that documentary. So one of the things he notices in the thing, because he's, he's, like, going through the history of Disney Channel branding, trying to find the first time they play the four note. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting because that era 
which I've never stopped thinking in my mind. Shia LaBeouf going, uh, I love Elton John until he played Candle in the Wind. You got to stop that Candle in the Wind. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because <laughs> they would interview him about like their favorite music. And, uh-huh. uh, anyway, but he goes. I should have known even then that Shia LaBeouf was just kind of a weirdo. <laughs> but he, like, and, and I, you, you watch the documentary. I'm not going to do this justice, but he, like, put something together that, like, like Hillary Duff in those videos, and there's like 20 of them. So they must have interviewed her for hours. Mm-hmm. In those videos, in that spot, also does the very first wand video, like the uh-huh. you're watching Disney Channel. Is that the one that just seems uh-huh. to go forever? And she's just like, it's so weird watching it. Uh, yeah, uh, I think so. But like, she's in the same outfit. In both. Uh-huh. So they played those question, like Ask the Stars with Tia and Tamara, T- Tia and Tamara, and Taj right. Mori and Shia LaBeouf mm-hmm. and all those. They played those, um, like, for, like, three or four months while the, the, the channel had pretty much lost all its branding. When he said that, I was like, I don't remember that. But then he, like, showed some of the transitions, um... And all of the transitions are so funny because they're like, keep it right here for growing pains, followed by an episode of of um, Boy Meets World right here on the Disney Channel. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's another unlocked memory. Uh-huh. It's deep, deep-seated. Um, but they, they would play those during that three-month stretch while they were rebranding. But then when the new branding starts, when Hillary Duff does the wand thing, she's in the same outfit. And she gets people to confirm, like, yeah, it was the same day. They shot all those videos. <laughs> That's why she's like, please help. Yeah, she apparently, uh, uh, she has, she had apparently been like all day just doing like promo stuff for them. Mm-hmm. Poor Hillary. It was really funny because he, he like looks for the evolution of the four notes after that. And he goes into like, okay, so we know when it started. Let's watch one of these from a year later. And they're like, oh, I think we should accept people. Like, people are great. And then, like, it, it goes to this one kid who I don't even remember what he's from. And he's like, yeah, some of my friends don't like certain other people because of 9-11. And he's like, still on the 9-11? <laughs> so, it was a big deal. It, it was. But weird inserts on the Disney Channel is also uh-huh. a weird place to talk about it. On the, you know, after 9-11? <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it was apparently a year anniversary of 9-11 one, but they were talking about being nice to everybody. Because uh-huh. that's the lesson we should take away. Well, there was pretty rampant Islamophobia. It was a good lesson. To- yeah, well, yes, that's true. I hate those things that are like, I remember, look, we need to get back to September 12th and the way we were all together and united. Oh. It's like, no, things were pretty bad. Things were pretty bad that day. <laughs> and many days after. Mm-hmm. And yeah. still, still pretty bad. Um, I just recommend everyone, go watch. If you have any history with the Disney Channel, go watch this because it's really good. I am not doing it any justice. I'm not spoiling it for you. Um. It's called, again, Defunct Land, and the episode is called uh, The Disney Theme, A History Mystery. Um, and the the through line for the last, like, 45 minutes is, like, mm-hmm. who wrote the four notes? Like, and he even jokes in an interview um, with Adam Conover at one point, because um, I kind of became obsessed with this guy a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and I watched an interview with him. Um, he's like, I thought, you know, I would just like ask someone and they would tell me. Um, but he said like in researching it, and you definitely get this while you're watching the episode. It just took me into this world of like, who creates these things? Like these things that no one ever thinks about who would have created them. Like bumpers and anim- and animations and transitions like it took it, it took me into this world of the people who create these things and i he has like probably 10 interviews with people trying to find out who wrote the four notes mhm and just never finds it i'm not going to tell you okay i guess it's a mystery yeah um but it 
it's kind of a beautiful story at the end where he kind of starts finding like like as a someone who will only ever be seen as a youtuber and not a documentarian he kind of finds like camaraderie with the people who like produce these like i don't know in these brand enhancers will mm-hmm. also never be known even though they're like they incredible at their jobs yeah so it's it ends up being really beautiful just you know i think his whole channel is great um i really like it i like when people explore things that like other people probably haven't thought about that much mm-hmm. that does seem um, right up your alley but yeah just watch that watch that documentary it's an hour and a half um my wife thought i was insane when i proposed it um, but she thoroughly enjoyed it as well. Nice. So, maybe the real four Disney notes were the friends we made along the way. Maybe they were. Um, I talked about this way longer than I intended. I, I was either going to bring this or one other thing. Uh, we can save that one for next time. But yeah. Defunct Land. Uh, Disney Channel theme. A history mystery. A history mystery. Well, mine probably won't take all that long because I'm pretty new to it, but I just really want to talk about it. Okay. Um, so it is a series that I've like always kind of been interested in getting into. Um, and just sort of, huh? Trombone champ. No, that's just one game. Um, but it's always just seemed like, where's the good place to start? What is it really like? Is it worth checking out? And it was on sale. And so I finally bought the first game, not in the whole series because there's a lot, but it's Atelier Riza. Oh, really? Um, which kind of is connected too. to a lot of things we talk about since it's Toei. Um, Toei is the producer of the video game. I guess they have a video game wing. I don't know if it's exactly the same people as Common Rider. No. But but it is connected somehow. Um, but yeah, I started playing the first um, Atelier Ryza game, which if you don't know what any of those words mean, there's the Atelier series, which is a long-running um rpg series from japan but it feels very different than i think a lot of rpgs um because the main focus of it is crafting um because like an atelier is a workshop for an alchemist like that's what it is um and so like your main character there's a whole lot of different series but they're all about these women who are alchemists um Mm. and sometimes men but usually women um the whole game I don't think there's a single male protagonist of a main line Atelier game, is there? Well, there's like um, there's like Atelier of Dusk. It's like someone in Logi, and it's like a, a male and female. Oh, um, really? I didn't know there was a single. But they're mostly women, mm-hmm. um, and so that's this, that's this one. It's about um, Riza, or everyone calls her Riza. I can't remember her actual name. Um, but what I really think is special about it, there's a couple of things. One. It's it's a story of friendship. Um, so you have Riza and her friends Lint and Tio, I believe, who are kind of three friends. They live on this small island, like the, the part of this community, but they just long for something more and like adventure. And so they often will sneak away from the island to the mainland to like go on adventures. Um, this first one is actually called Atelier Riza, like Eternal Darkness and the Secret Hideout or something. You know, Yeah, they all have crazy names like this Just real like sort of anime nonsense um, that I'm sure will make sense eventually. But it's just these three friends like going off on adventures and like exploring. And then eventually they meet the, the, these people that um, Riza learns how to be an alchemist from. And that unlocks like the whole crafting system within the game, which is super complex and super deep. But like really fun to get into and to just tinker around with mm-hmm. in a way that's very satisfying. Um, and I just love kind of the theme of it of just like, we're just some friends and we're having an adventure. Um, and so I'm just really excited to see kind of where it goes. Um, the battle system's pretty fun. Um, a little different than I was expecting. It is turn-based sort of, but there's like a tick down timer and then, uh, the characters you aren't controlling will just auto attack and you can kind of like tune it up to be like, use your moves or pull it back. Um, like build mm-hmm. up your skills and stuff to be able to unleash the bigger stuff. Uh, but then your main character, the one you're controlling, you can get into more in depth with like 
specific skills and items and stuff that you're using. Yeah, I really looked into getting into the Atelier games um, when I had my shirt my surgery last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, the main reason I didn't was just because um, I didn't know where to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of them, and they are always very expensive. Yeah, yeah, they it's don't like most of them are forty dollars, and yeah, you're like, is this a good one? Price very well. No. But sometimes they do, and this one they finally did. Um, yeah. And I was like, I've been wanting to try this out, and I'm just going to do it. Um, yeah. I think it's different. I think it's newer in Ryza and maybe the series before that, which was Atelier Sophie. Um, but I guess in the earlier games, there was literally like a game clock that would run down, and you only had so much time before the game was over. But in Ryza and I think in Sophie, those aren't included. Yeah. So like you can kind of keep they- going at your own pace. Yeah, a lot of the, like, how to get into the series videos I watched did split it into, like, timed Atelier games and non-timed Atelier games and talked about there being, like, pluses and minuses for both. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I know, like, with with the exception of the clock, kind of the, the, the hallmark of the series is, like, low-stakes chill vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it feels very cozy. Yeah. I know it's a bit fan servicey, um, but it's more like cute fan servicey instead of like trashy fan servicey. Mm-hmm. A lot of like ooh woo, I suppose they would say these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is one character who I'm not certain, but it's the two characters that teach the kids like, here's how you do alchemy, and oh, you want to be a warrior? Let me help you out. Or it's just like, what is your body shape? <laughs> and yeah. why are those the clothes you're wearing? Like this is just—I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this in my in my life, and it just doesn't seem like it would be functional or comfortable. <laughs> um, but everyone else isn't really like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the main characters are always like very cute, mm-hmm. like, and but cute in like a marketable way. <laughs> yeah, it's not in like a Xenoblade Chronicles two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way. That's kind of what I mean by like. Like cute fan servicey instead of fan service instead of trashy fan service. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, characters taking time to leer at body parts and stuff of that mm-hmm. nature, and the camera making sure it takes its time to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I've heard good things. Um, I know I've I've watched a lot of a lot of videos on it, um, and it seems cool. Yeah, it's very fun. I like like I said the crafting system. It's really cool because it just has this gameplay loop of like, I'm going to go gather some supplies um, and it can just be like in a non-combat area, just like going around the island and like a farm and gathering a bunch of stuff. And you can go back and craft them to make items that you can use to like basically like equip to use in battle um, in a way where you don't actually end up using them up. You just use like this pool of points that you have in order Mm -hmm. to use them. Um, And then you can, get better gear to then turn around and go explore the mainland, which is where there's more monsters and you can fight and like level up. But the real strength comes from you doing all the crafting to like get better gear. Um, And all the different ingredients you have can like, you can have like 10 of the same ingredient on the surface, but then they can unlock different skills kind of based on whatever it is that they have. So it's just like very deep, but it's also nice because it has a, uh, when you're crafting stuff, you can just click a button and say, I want this to be high quality or low quality. And it'll just take the best of whatever you have. Um, and just make nice. it. <laughs> Cause it can get very complex where it's like you put one item in to start it and it unlocks three other paths that you can choose from. Like, do I want to adjust its quality and make it just generally better? Or do I want to make it straight smooth in this way? And if you upgrade it along a certain path enough, it'll be like, Oh, I was making a, like a staff, but now I can make a scythe that I can use in the real world to gather more supplies. Or I was making a scythe, but then if I build it in a certain way, it becomes an ax that I can use to chop down trees and stuff like that. So there's just layers upon layers, but in a way that feels not overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like, oh, this seems seems interesting. I really want to just know more and dive in more. Yeah, and it's nice because I heard the Ryza games are really good spots to get in. To the mm-hmm. series, um, and they're very accessible on like pretty much anything you could want to play it on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to find, and I, I'm having trouble doing so. 
the game, the the trilogy that like really interested me, it was like it had something to do with like dusk or something. Yeah, there was like the um, I remember, but but yeah, Ryza seems like a great place to start because it seems yeah. Like the, the dusk one was one I was interested in too. There's just a dusk trilogy. Um, Maybe it was the dusk trilogy that might make sense. Aisha, Atelier Aisha, the Alchemist of Dusk. Yeah, yeah, it was that trilogy. And I, I just remember looking into it and thinking, like, oh, that sounds, that sounds good. Oh, yes, because they're all kind of in, in little series together. Um, and a lot of collections of um, all three have come out for Nintendo Switch. Um, mm-hmm. Really all the platforms, so. Oh, yeah. there's, a, there's literally a Dusk series pack. Yes, the trilogy pack. So. They're on sale right now. I don't know if they will be by the time this episode comes out. Um, the sale in, oh the sale ends on ten six so yeah yeah you got if you're interested um, usually they're like forty dollars I think many of the individual games are like twenty Rizo will cost you like thirty uh, maybe twenty five I can't remember uh, yeah it's obviously like it's, cool. yeah it's worth checking out it just got like chill vibes I feel like it's what I needed right now gaming wise I feel like I've just been in like a bouncing around kind of funk. That's pretty much oh. how gaming just is for me. Anyway. <laughs> so I tell Baldur's Gate 3 whenever that comes into my life. Yeah, I was about to say, I just I just put well over 100 hours uh, into Chapter 1 of Baldur's <laughs> Gate. <laughs> um, granted, I remade several characters, um, which I feel bad about at first, but also, like, I don't. Yeah, you just play the things you want. Yeah, and there just kept like coming up situations where I'd be like, "Oh, I wonder what happens if I'm this kind of this way or do it that way." So, um, I don't feel bad. I am now about to enter um, uh, Act Two for the first time. Um, Nice. I'm taking a break playing another game right now, but uh, I'll be back. You will be, and I'll be there soon. You will be, and I can't wait. Oh, it's so good! All right. Um, so yeah, Atelier Riza. I think I'm saying it right. Maybe it's Atelier. I don't know if you say the R or not. Oh, it's French, right? So it's mm-hmm. I say Atelier. Yeah. Um, also, the games are just in Japanese, um, but it's dubbed. Not dubbed. It's subbed. Yes. It's not dubbed. Um, which is another thing I've gotten a lot more used to. Yeah, because, uh, because for of all Toei. of you who don't know out there, we have a second podcast. We do. We're going to record it there now. We're going to record an episode, like, literally right after we finish this. Because we're crazy. Um, but, yeah, we're we're uh, newcomers. I, I feel, really feel like that's the that's the sticking point here, is, like, our POV is newcomer. Covering mm-hmm. our uh, very first, um, our very first weekly season of Common Rider. Mm-hmm. Well, who's it a sticking point for? Not, not a sticking point, like, kind of our, like... Selling point? Yeah, our theme. It's the it's the energy we bring. Yeah, kind of like we don't know what we're talking about. Of energy. Boy Meets World, we're the lore keepers. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like you always gotta have like a POV, you know? Like yeah, we're certainly not the lore keepers of Common Rider. No, no. Um, I might end up being by the end because that's just how my brain works. Mm-hmm. But right now you're not. But right now I'm not. Because we're only on episode three. We are. Um, yes, the first two episodes should have dropped in this podcast feed if you're interested in checking it out. Yes, but we have a whole other podcast feed. Uh, Henshin Fever. Henshin Fever, yes. Yes, but, you, but I it's can't like say It's like Boy Meets World Fever, but Henshin, which is yeah. a common phrase throughout the show because it means transform. H-E-N-S-H-I-N. Mm-hmm. Henshin. Henshin! Um, yeah, so you can definitely check that out. Um we love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Getting into Unstruck Media uh, brought us a new love that we really mm-hmm. just want to cover with all of you. Yes. And anyone else yeah. that wants so, to be a part of it. Um, yeah. And the nice thing is, while Henshin Fever doesn't have an end date, what we're talking about in it does, because it's only going to be 46 to 51 episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then we'll do something else, or we'll maybe do something else in the middle. I don't know. Yeah. It's new. We're figuring it out. We're, we're figuring it out. But um, I'm just saying it's not like a forever commitment. Like this segment seems to be. Yes. Um, we should end it. Yeah. This segment and the whole thing. Um, 
well, I, I when I said this segment, I meant the strike. Talk, oh, the strike. Yes, this particular segment. So we can get back to Boy Meets World. Yes. And and finish that. We would be done by now. Would we? Easily. It's it's been like ten weeks, and we only had like eight episodes left. Oh wow. We're so close to the end. Why did the strike have to happen like, now? Right there. <laughs> Just right there. I can see it. I can see the end. We're at the precipice. Um, ooh, should we announce our other actually booming world exciting news, or is it too early? We have some? Yeah. Oh, we do. We should say it. It's fun. Uh, we will be not not as guests, not as anything special. Nothing just, important. We will be in attendance only. We will be in attendance uh, to uh, the Pod Meets World live show in Dallas on uh, January 11th. It'll be a we, great time. We already have our tickets. Um, they're good tickets. Mm-hmm. We should work on some cosplay ideas. Yes, we're we're definitely going to cosplay there. Um, we're definitely going to be um, Frankie and Joey as uh, Eric's lackeys. Mm-hmm. I ain't going to be a lackey no more. Uh, but remember when they were preppy lackeys? Uh-huh. I remember. You showed me a picture. And I remember that happening before uh, Griff showed up. Maybe that's not who we'll be. It's a fun one, though. Maybe you'll be Griff and I can be... or. I can be Harley and you can be Griff or the other way around. Or vice versa. I don't know. Something to think about. We'll figure it out. We could be the tongues. Uh, I was talking about cosplaying with my um, cosplaying with Nikki, um, who you and I could cosplay. And I thought Cameron or I could dress as a um, small Dutch lady and just say, we're the Timmers. We're the Timmers. <laughs> that, that, that'd be a deep cut. But a good cut. We could both dress up as Jasmine Fontana. I mean, if it is, she should be. I just don't know if we can pull that one off. Um, but yeah, so if you will be at the Dallas live show, maybe we can like meet up and hang. I don't know. Yeah, be a chill hang. Yeah, we haven't we we have, we have figured out nothing else except that we are going, and that mm-hmm. is on Thursday, which is kind of a weird time to go. It is kind of a weird time to go. We got to figure that out. Yeah, but we will be there. Can't wait. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging with us through thick and through thin. Um, we really do always appreciate you. Um, if you have any thoughts, as always, about any of the things we talk about, feel free to reach out at bgworldfever at gmail.com or at bgworldfever at um, Instagram or on Twitter. Not on Maybe not on Twitter, but Instagram and threads. Those are both places that you could. Um, and I'd be happy to hear from you. I got on Twitter last night um, to make a tweet for our show mm-hmm. and got lost in the blue checkmark vial. Yes, there's a lot. And was- and apparently, it's there's going. Elon has said that there's going to be a lower tier, but everyone will have to pay for Twitter. Really? And I'll just be out. That's the that's the rumor, and I think I've seen him say that, like as of today. So, peace out. Peace. A-town down. Mm-hmm. Um, but until such a time, you can also find me there. We'll have to figure it's out some new social media stuff. What? We'll have to figure out some new social media stuff. Yeah, it's true. Um, the BG World Fever media stuff is kind of reaching its precipice. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so. Yeah, we're at a... We're, it's at a really interesting time for the podcast. We're really glad you guys are here. Yes. Who's going to last longer, us or Twitter? Um, as far as I'm concerned, Twitter is dead. That is true. It's once, it's called X now. Once it's only Nazis and like the people who really want Twitter but have to hang out with Nazis as a result, mm-hmm. it's dead to me. That's the end. So sad. And this is the end of this show. Yeah. Um, that's all I've got. That's all I've got. So from all of us here at Boy Meets World Fever. So long, world. So long.